0: Let's be real, I'm unqualified at best, but I'm taking this year to challenge my fears and seek out authenticity through conversation and hopefully some daring vulnerability. The goal, I'm not really sure yet, but I hope to come out of 2022 more connected to myself and my friends and my faith. Welcome to a year of holy interruptions. Come journey with me, or you know, don't. It's really up to you there is a trend going around in social media right now not sure if you've seen it but it's called the lucky girl syndrome (laughs) and a lot of people are using it to propel them into 2023 and claim luck and um, invitations and um, adventures and good things and financial success and, and you know whatever it is and it's gone a little bit rampant um, on TikTok and on Instagram, and it's just everywhere. I am seeing it constantly. I'm hearing people talk about it. It feels like it is kind of taking over January 2023. And I don't necessarily disagree with it because what this syndrome, it's not really a syndrome, what what this trend um is getting into is seeing these girls who seem to have it all and good things just keep happening to them and and all this you know stuff that that would never happen to, happen to you is going well for them and just kind of looking at other people and being like how are you so lucky how do you live this life how did you get there xyz And the idea behind this trend is that you're claiming lucky girl syndrome. You are claiming that in this year, you are going to be lucky. You are going to have good things happen for you. And you're going to manifest it and, you know, create this year that you want um, to be whatever it looks like with the goals you have. You're going to succeed and accomplish them. And, well, I don't believe in manifestation. And I don't believe in just claiming what the universe has for you and and making it your choice. Um, I do believe in some of the science behind this theory because in truth, there isn't anything such as people who just are constantly lucky and get whatever they want and they tell the universe what they want so they get it. I don't believe in that, I don't buy it. What I think is actually happening here is you have people who are constantly looking for the good looking for opportunities, looking for positive things and they're finding them because they're looking for them. And then they lean into them and and claim them and whatever. And so then good things happen. And it's kind of like when you're out going to try and buy a red convertible or you just have it on your list that you want a red convertible. You suddenly start seeing red convertibles absolutely everywhere. They are all over. (laughs) They seem to be at every street corner. And it's this weird phenomenon where you're like, I never saw red convertibles until I started wanting them. And now they seem like they're everywhere. And this happens because our brains are constantly filtering information. We have so many inputs into our brains, so much information, so much data. We have license plate numbers. We have car brands of the cars driving next to us. We have colors of trees and flowers and dirt and trash on the road or on the ground. And we have store signs and literally Anytime you look anywhere, there is just so much information coming into your brain. And so it's our job to tell our brain and help train our brain to only keep the information that's relevant to us. So we don't need to know the fifth letter of every license plate, but we do need to know what road we're passing and the street sign. So we can be looking from our car seat and looking up ahead and you'll see a road sign and there are tons of letters and numbers all around you, but you're only actually taking in the, the numbers or the letters, forgive me, that you are wanting on that street sign. And so it's very selective and our brain is set up so that we can train ourselves to select the right information to get us to where we're trying to go. And so I think what this lucky girl syndrome is, is saying, I'm going to choose to train my brain to see good things and I'm going to choose to look for opportunities. And the more times you look for good things, good opportunities, the more you're going to start recognizing them because you're training your brain to look for it. And I heard this woman um, on TikTok, she was talking about this syndrome and she was saying that She actually really changed her life by this because she was at her nine to five. Her husband was at her nine to five and she noticed that they both kept coming home from work and just complaining about their day. And they felt so discouraged and so frustrated and they felt like the least lucky people out there. And so she turned to her husband and she said, for the next month, we are going to come home from work and we're gonna spend the whole day at work looking for the most beautiful thing we're gonna see and we're gonna take a picture of it. And when we get home, we're going to show each other the most beautiful thing. So what started happening is while she was at work, while she was driving to work, driving home from work, she would be on the lookout for the most beautiful thing. And whenever she saw something, she had to consider, is this the most beautiful thing I'm gonna see today? Or is there maybe something even more beautiful yet ahead? And what started happening is she was training her brain to seek out beauty and to seek out exciting things to come home and tell her husband about. And her husband was doing the same thing. And all of a sudden, they noticed that they would come home from work and it wasn't, oh, I hate my job, oh, I'm so tired, oh, I don't wanna do anything, I just wanna sit on TV. Like. That wasn't the first conversation anymore. It was, let me show you this really cool thing I saw. And it just completely changed their mindset. Because when you're looking for a beautiful thing, you start seeing them. And it's not that that, you know, cloud or that flower wasn't there the day before. Clouds change shape, but you know what I mean. It's not that that flower suddenly appeared that day. It was always there. She just wasn't training her brain to notice it. She was training her brain to recognize how tired she felt. And so I think a lot of what this lucky girl syndrome actually is, and I think this is a healthy thing for anyone, especially for Christians, is to say, how can I look for the best in situations and people and things? And I was thinking about this in terms of how we speak to and about others. And I was thinking that if we're speaking encouraging words, we're going to start hearing and noticing the encouragement that's being shared to us or the encouragement other people are sharing to others because we have our brains out on alert to recognize that. And I think something that the church has really... I don't know, not slide it over, but kind of ignored or made less of a problem um, or maybe not given as much attention to it as I think it needs is gossip. I think it is a really big problem in the church. I think it is a problem as um, part of the U.S. culture. We live in a hugely gossip-based um, culture and world, and I just, I read my Bible and I see about how, you know, the Lord abhors gossip and slander. Ephesians 4.29, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. James one twenty six says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Proverbs 16.21, a dishonest man speds strife and a whisperer separates close friends. That's three different books of the Bible and I could pull out so many more examples I had to kind of pick and choose which ones and which verses I wanted to include because there were a lot that came to mind and a lot as I was um, doing a little bit of research that I picked up on as well and there are so many warnings against gossip warnings against slandering and and all these things and yet it is so common we get together with our friends and we gossip (laughs) about the other people in our community about, oh my gosh, did you see so-and-so's pregnant? Oh my goodness. Did you see they broke up with who did you? And there's a big difference between fact and then gossip and like negative opinionated fact. <laughs> um, and I'm really actively working to be someone who only says, what I would directly speak to the person I'm speaking about. Um, So if I were to say something about my roommate, I would only want to say that thing if I felt comfortable and at peace in my soul saying it to her face. But that's not even the best um, measure for that because there are some things I would say to my roommate, to her that I wouldn't, or maybe shouldn't, tell to other people as well. So there's really just this sense of discernment that comes up with it, and I think the biggest issue in this is that we have so lost our understanding of what gossip is. We have been so desensitized to it, and we've made it such an okay and normal part of our culture that we're not grasping how big of a problem this gossip epidemic (laughs) actually is. Um, And it's not just our words that need changing. It's also our filter that needs tracking. As we're saying things and thinking through, Ooh, should I say this? Do I feel at peace if they heard this? Maybe what you feel at peace with someone hearing isn't actually something you should be saying. So you're not even necessarily the best judge for that. And I think the only way you can create a accurate filter is by spending time in the word of God and understanding what he says and what he um, dictates us to do. And the thing I have learned as someone who is spending time in the word of God is that gossip is not acceptable. And so it's, and the thing with gossip is that it's really hard to stop. It is hard to be the friend in the group who says, hey, let's change topics or, or be that person who's not willing to participate or, or you know, in some ways it can feel corrective to other people if you're saying, oh, I don't really think we should talk about this. And, and there can be an element of people feel judged um, for doing it, but it is sin. Um, and I think there are ways to speak honestly and kindly and to redirect in a way that's not judgmental, that's not unkind, but that's firm enough to the point that says, I'm not going to sit and, and dwell in this conversation. This conversation is not life giving. This conversation is not honoring. And if you think about it, like, God doesn't need us to show Him or show anyone else someone else's (laughs) faults. There's this nice little story about a a splinter and a log in the eye that can go into this for you. (laughs) But he isn't obsessed with failure and checking if our actions are, are more positive or more negative, if they're more good or more evil or more good or more bad. He is looking at the heart of someone. And what I can guarantee you is that when you are gossiping, your heart isn't reaching out to God your heart is absolutely not focused on the lord and absolutely not focused on and honoring his creation because what you're doing is you are slandering his creation and we all have things that we have done that other people easily can gossip about we all fall short of the glory of god and so like when our heart is is in a place where we're correcting, or we're chiding, or we're speaking poorly of someone else, that says so much about our own heart and about how we are drawn to um, self-righteousness. And I think, honestly, there's a big aspect of self-righteousness in gossip is saying, okay, maybe I have my issues, but look at what they did. And can you believe this happened? And there, I believe there is a healthy way to process and heal. And I don't think gossip is the way we do it. (laughs) I think there are people and um, times where important conversations need to happen, where you are directly involved in scenarios or situations that are harmful or unhealthy or damaging to your heart, mind, soul, spirit, so forth. But most of gossip, I would argue, has very little to do with you trying to process something so much as it is you trying to create shock around someone else. Um, And at the end of the day, we all have so much sin. There are so many stories that people could gossip about me, and I'm sure they have. And there are so many stories that I have gossiped about others. And I'm trying to, you know, I'm 24. I'm trying to look at my life and I'm recognizing how many stories I have told that has not lifted someone up. I want to be someone who uses her words to build up the kingdom, to encourage people, to speak truth. I don't want to tell a good thing and then say, but... I want to just say a good a good thing about someone and there's this thing that we did in my theater group in college that I absolutely loved and it was holy gossip and it's the only form of gossip I actually subscribe to and will try to keep doing for the rest of my life <laughs> and the idea behind it and I've talked about this on the podcast before but the idea behind it is that you go around and you start spreading um seeds of positivity about other people when they're not present and so when you know, you think something good about someone, go and tell someone else. Be like, hey, do you know what I saw the other day? I saw XYZ from church helping out this woman cross the street. And I saw that she took the time out of her schedule to go in and walk her and, and help her get across and load her car with the groceries. I saw XYZ. And what happens is you start building this exciting energy that that feeding that gossip gives us um where it's like oh my gosh do you know I saw this I saw that person doing that thing or whatnot and and yet it's all based in lifting someone else up and then what you're doing is you're creating a positive picture of your friend in someone else's mind And you're lifting them up and they're building them up. And can you imagine what a different place our churches would look like if everyone was just running around and building everyone else up? And the thing I think too that comes with being careful with your words is that if you are someone who speaks wisely and conscientiously and honestly and truthfully and lovingly, then you also, in some ways, your words hold more credit, I guess, or power in that if there is something where you need to talk to a friend and you need to say, hey, I don't think you did that very well. And I, as a fellow believer, I want to encourage you to, to, you know, reconcile that or to do better in that or to, you know, repent of that. And obviously, it takes a very specific type of relationship to do that with. Um, But if you are watching your friend fall into sin, it gives you a space to say, I love you. And because I love you, I'm going to say this hard truth to you. And I'm going to come and correct you. But they know that you're doing that out of love because you're not someone who's just constantly gossiping. And they know that that... In that conversation you went to them first you went to them to talk about it you didn't go to 14 other people and if there is a scenario where you feel like you need to run this by someone else and say hey am I crazy or is this something I should actually address go to someone who is wise and who you can seek counsel from go to a mentor go to a leader in your church who is there for congregational support go to someone who has wisdom don't go to your your best friend or your or your work wife or your work husband cuz they're not going to be people who are going to challenge you to assume the best of others and i think that is something that that we need to do is be careful who we invite into the narrative and and who we ask to consider other people to be um so that's just something that's been really sitting on my mind recently is how do we use our words how do we interact with other people how do we be christians and believers who uplift who don't tear each other down and who aren't self-righteous about (laughs) any of our our good or bad or anything how do we just live humbly and walk with the lord And I think recognizing gossip and naming how frequently we actually do gossip and confessing of that is one of the first steps. With that, it is the end of the episode. I will be back next week, as always, with a whole new topic to cover. I'm really excited for a few episodes we have coming up. I had friends give me good suggestions, so I'm excited to share them with you. But for now, I'm going to go, and I hope you have a lovely rest of your week.